Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to another episode of Random Encounters. I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And we are here with a random monster from a random monster manual to discuss randomly. In my hand, I have Dungeons and Dragons 4th Edition, Monster Manual Number 1. We are open to page 175. This one is... I'm just going to read it. Just going to read it. It is a Larva Mage. Larva Mage. When a powerful, evil spellcaster dies, his spirit sometimes takes control of the wriggling mass of worms and maggots devouring his corpse. This mass of vermin rises as a larva mage to continue the spellcaster's dark schemes or to seek revenge against those who slew him. They are, let's see, some lore about our larva mage. Only the most evil spellcasters return to unlife as larva mages. When a larva mage is destroyed, the maggots and worms that comprise its physical form lose their sentience and become harmless vermin. Particularly powerful larva mages retain more of their previous spellcasting ability than others, and know several wizard powers. They often carry their old spellbooks around with them. An elder evil being called Caius created the first larva mages to guard vaults of forbidden lore. These larva mages are among the most powerful of their kind and wield an impressive array of spells. So this is basically Oogie Boogie. Oh, yeah. When you were talking about it, it was it reminds me a little bit of the Rat King in terms of the mass of other creatures mm. all put together, but it definitely has a yeah. more, it, just a creepier feel even than the Rat King. Because this is, this is humanoid. This takes on a humanoid form and like it, the picture has, they're filling in, they're filling out a robe yeah. as opposed to, I, the Rat King was a very long time ago, but I believe that was just kind of like a writhing mass, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Something along those lines. So that's that's it for flavor text and details. But it does have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six different abilities here. Okay. So oh well let's start with uh because this is five because this is four E, remember they had they they broke up their monsters into specific categories. This gotcha. guy is an elite artillery. So elite means he's extra powerful, artillery means he's he does damage from afar, I think. He's a level 21. He has 304 HP, an AC of 35. That seems... I don't quite remember a whole lot of 4E, but 35 at 21. That seems like a lot. Yeah. So his first attack is his standard at-will necrotic damage of corrupting touch it is plus 24 versus fortitude. It is a 2d6 plus 5 of necrotic damage. His standard, like, I will spam this if I can't do anything else. Horrific Visage is a minor action, recharges on a 5 or 6. It is a ranged 10, which ranged 10, did they do, they did squares. Yeah, so that's 50 feet. When they said 10, that's 10, 10 squares. Yeah, that's right. Because his speed is 6, which is 30. 
So it's a range 10 plus 24 versus will. The target cannot attack the larva mage until the end of its next turn and is immobilized. Save ends. Okay. So just a, a, a quick freeze someone so they can't hit you. Yep. Speaking of freeze, we have Ray of Cold Death. Standard at will. It is a ranged of 20, so that's 200 feet. 26 versus AC, 2d8 plus 8 cold and necrotic damage, or 4d8 plus 8 cold and necrotic if the target is bloodied. That's wow. that's an extra like lemon in the wound. For those who for those who did not experience 4E or have forgotten, have put it out of their mind, uh, bloodied is a term that they used in 4E when anybody, player or 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 NPC or monster or whatever, when they hit half their hit points. So particularly in 4E, there were a lot of this this triggers when somebody's bloodied. Yeah. Like if then. If that yeah, exactly. Uh there were a lot of barbarian moves, I think, that had to do with it. if you're bloodied you get you can spend an action surge or or a hit dice, something like that. Yeah. Or for this example as well, this guy does 2d8 extra damage if if the target is bloodied the he has a worm's feast which has a recharge of six meaning to to roll the six on the d6 it is a ranged five the target is tricked into believing that worms are devouring its flesh 26 versus will 4d 10 plus 8 damage if this damage doesn't reduce the target to zero or fewer hit points the target takes no damage but is stunned until the end of its next turn that's interesting first of all it's 40 10 that's that's pretty hefty plus eight yeah. but that's really interesting so is that that's one of those it's a lot like i believe power word kill where if you are it it only works if you are below a certain number of hit points it's like 90 or 50 or something like that and it's yeah. and it's an instant kill but if they're above that that threshold of hit points i don't think it does anything i don't think it even does damage i believe you're right yeah it's it's really a, a roll of the dice yeah unless you're really kind of tracking unless you've killed another one of them before and kind of had a rough idea of what their hit points look like yep. generally though in this in in 4e generally the dm would would tell you when your creature has been bloodied the, the creature that you're fighting has been bloodied because True. like we said a lot of the the players moves were dependent on their being on their targets being bloodied as well. So, True. so you could, you could kind of roughly estimate, okay, we did this much damage. He's now bloodied. Now we can, we can kind of count down, you know? Yeah, exactly. You're kind of just holding that in your back pocket until that moment when you can just unleash it. Right. If he's, you, you hope that, that, He's got about probably 30, I think, would be a safe bet to drop a 4d10 plus 8, you know? Yep. You could have you could have some really crappy rolls and lose it, but but particularly for the the larva mage, it's a recharge of six, so it could be it could be reused. Yep. 
He has Withering Flame. It's an area burst of one within 20. So that's a, I guess, a three by three square because it, it bursts out from, from one square out from that. Yep. Within 20. Makes so sense. within, within, wow, within 100 feet. So that's 2d6 plus eight fire and necrotic damage. Pretty simple. That's an at will. And then Squeezing Swarm. By altering its shape, a larva mage can squeeze through small openings as if it were a tiny creature. So that's just a, a mobility thing. Gotcha. Thoughts on, on the larva mage, Matt? So once the larva take over, the the mage itself loses any semblance of his old spells, his old spellcasting ability, and this kind of overtakes that? See that's that's interesting the fact the fact that you only have this selection that we just went over those like those six abilities but in the lore like we said so the more powerful ones maintain some of those those wizard powers they 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 have access to those spells but there there are no there are not multiple versions of the larva mage in this book it's only the one so I guess it's really just an open invitation saying, hey, if you want to give the Larva Mage a spell, give him a spell. Yeah, swap like, things in and out, maybe, right? something like that. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to make him one of the powerful ones, which, why not? Give him Polymorph or, or whatever. Okay, yeah, I think that, that works for sure. I like it. I like the the kind of lore behind it. That's my favorite part, Yeah. I think that's, I think that has the, it could just looking at the powers and the, and the stat block and thinking in terms of, of what it would be like to fight. It's like, eh, okay. I mean, we can see one and, and we kill him and the worms crawl away and okay. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of memorable, but it, I think it's the, the story behind the creation of the larva mage that could be really cool really lends itself to a this was a an early campaign encounter that you just steamrolled this wizard yep and then it came back that's, later on oh it, that's exactly yeah and and that's that's the kicker is if you do the two-parter like sure you can you can somehow tell your characters that this larva mage was a powerful wizard and and in in the past he did this and someone defeated him etc it's okay to to give them just exposition but why not make it a wizard that they killed 10 10 levels ago 15 levels ago you know exactly even and even better if they completely forgot all about it yeah, and then it's you're dropping hints here and there, whether mm -hmm. it's stuff that they have seen leading up to to the battle, or maybe specific garments or or items that are uh, that kind of adorn this larva mage. Something that they can see, and maybe even with just a you know a DC ten perception check or something like that mm -hmm. to to really just clue them in that oh yeah wait a minute this was you recognize this amulet. This was on Balthazar the Great, that wizard that you vaporized in two <laughs> hits. Yeah. 
Well, not vaporized because well, there would be nothing there to be eaten, but true. But yeah, liqui- liquefied. Liquefied. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I like that, and I'm I'm toying with the idea of of making it. Sure, they liquefy them in the beginning, and then you don't you don't. I mean, maybe the you give the subtlest of clues, but it could be really funny if they don't remember him at all. And he's like, you killed me. I, you, you've you killed me before and I'm here to take revenge. Look at me. I'm now a pile of, I'm a bag of worms because of what you did to me. And I will, I will do the same to you. And he's just, he's just so enraged. And they're like, mm, ah, doesn't ring a bell. I don't know. Mm, are you sure we killed you? We've killed a lot of people. You're pretty unremarkable. You know, you didn't, you you don't look familiar. Of course I don't look familiar. I'm a bag of worms. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That is exactly how I would play that. Mm. I mean, you have to add a little bit of levity to it. Yeah. And just the idea that it could be someone that was a boss at one point, but is so unremarkable in terms of their stature and their mm. ability that they could just be completely overlooked in the long run. And by waiting to do that, you're almost ensuring that your players don't remember because, yeah. you know, 10, 15 levels down the line, that could be years upon years. Yeah. Yeah. And even, and they could be, they could technically be two random encounters. You know, they don't even have to necessarily be an integral part of, of your, your overarching campaign you know they could they could but it's it's also easy enough at to to kind of keep that reincorporation in there but just kind of also make this one a throwaway you know and and in in a sense it really it kind of makes it kind of makes your players more powerful in the sense that they have They've gotten to a point where they've killed so many things and so many people. And of course, they're going to have people coming after them for vengeance. If, if, if at all possible, they're, they're just, they're, they're that powerful. They're that famous, you know, it kind of, this whole, this whole thought process kind of makes me think of Venture Brothers. Do you ever watch Venture Brothers? Oh yeah. 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 It's just, just that, that that everybody wants to arch Dr. Venture and he's just like, just, just get rid of them. Just, I, they're, they're not worth my time kind of thing. Yeah. And that they, this, the larva mage could be very comically inconsequential. Just a, just a blip on the radar of that. Absolutely. I think it'd be funny to find a way to do it where it's almost, the larva mage is almost a recurring character. Yeah. Where every, every couple levels, Every couple sessions, there is it's just a random encounter, uh-huh. but almost every random encounter is just this same guy coming back with either more of him being eaten by these by the larva, or you know, just a different stage of decomposition. <laughs> yes, like like first it's worms, and then it's those those beetles that will eat like anything that that yeah. they that the. The CSI people use to like look at bones and and study decomposition of corpses, yep. and then it's a skeleton. It's eventually just a skeleton, and then like a wisp. I don't know if you really want to keep pushing it, but there are sure. certainly enough undead options to 
to see something of a progression. And I really love this idea, especially if the rest of the campaign is is generally pretty high stakes and serious. And that's not that's not to say that you can't like give them a real challenge in killing this guy. Oh yeah, challenge and and levity are two different sides of the coin. Like you don't they don't have to match up. Right. Right. They 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 aren't mutually exclusive. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely something where if you are running this undead campaign and take your pick of all the monsters we've talked about so far that can fit into that. But there it's like you said, it's pretty high stakes. It's it there's a lot of you know, either terror or just really intense situations you can put your characters in. So to throw a you know, one session or a half a session or something along those lines where they're just fighting this one creature yet again and maybe he has uh, a different power this time. Like, he keeps Mm. adding abilities as he goes that make him a little bit more powerful even though the actual composition of his body is deteriorating. That would be not only a, a fun challenge, but probably just something that's fun to look back at for the characters once they finally dispose of this thing. Or and maybe you can make some sort of a puzzle where they find some way to finally get rid of this guy so he's not haunting them anymore as well. Right, actually put him to rest. Exactly. Yeah, I I like the idea of of not only is he like changing forms but he's kind of becoming more powerful obviously because they're progressing in level as well and he yep. every time he's almost like a bond villain he'll like brag about his new power like just before he does it yeah or 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 even like an old nintendo boss that would that would <laughs> telegraph the, right before they do their move you know exactly yeah. yeah i think it would be interesting if the final form the the top of the pyramid is like a taunting haunt or something like that, where <gasps> you kill his cor- yeah. corporeal form completely. And he just comes back and bugs the crap. Yeah. Out of you. And he can't actually do any harm to you at this point, but exactly. This, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's, that is the ultimate challenge is, is, if he's haunting the people that he wants to take revenge on, they they can't they they can't fulfill his wishes. You know that's the only way to get rid of the taunting haunt is like exactly. do do what he want wanted to to put him to rest. They can't do that. So so yeah, that's what's your catch twenty two? That's an ultimate that that you got to be super invested as the. As the DM to to really want, but I mean, at at that point in the game, I mean, you're at level twenty twenty five twenty six, you know. Exactly. So, do you possibly give hints, or do you do you have it set up in your mind early on in this this progression of the the just silly larva mage kind of reappearing? Is there a way to put him to rest if they if they cotton on by like the third time that they see this thing that like we need to obviously we need to do something more than just destroy his corporeal form. Do you are you kind of like giving hints maybe maybe in between times that you see him 
or do you do you save that for the very end encounter you know because if 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 they catch on to it like good on them that's I, I would want to give them that opportunity for them to be clever and, and do something about that. But you got to have that mechanic built in at that point, right? I think so. Yeah. I Like you said, it, you want to reward them for being clever enough to catch on right away. Obviously, you would love to take it to its final form and let them see it all the way through. But it is one of those things where if they are smart enough and they... and you you don't have to spoon feed it to them, but if they right. can catch on, then absolutely, yeah. You you almost hope that they do in a way because that's the kind of thing as a player where you're you're really kind of on the same page as your DM, and it's it's a great thing to have around the table. I think where you you kind of know what's coming, but you you're still open to surprise. Yeah, and the DM doesn't at that point. You don't really have to work as hard. I don't think. Right, it's it's a it's a blessing and a curse as the DM and it's something that you from from day 1 of DM school you you go into every every story that you write, every campaign that you form, every single encounter with a couple of monsters. You go in thinking, okay, this is my outline, but I may have to scrap it. Mhm. I may yeah. I may have just spent the last three days writing something incredibly cool for them to experience, but they decide to go somewhere else. Yeah, they may zig when you want them to zag, yeah. and all of a sudden you're just you're trying to pull something out of your butt last second. Yeah, and there there are a variety of ways to adjust to that. You know, you can give them you can give them three choices, but every choice ends with this thing. You exactly. you can save this the, the save the gem that you want to show to them that you want them to experience for a later date, or 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 it's gone. I mean, if you if you go if you want to give them the complete like Skyrim Breath of the Wild open world sandbox, you got to be open for that, and. It's I'll admit it's really freaking difficult. It's really difficult to to kind of commit to being to being so carefree, I guess, to just letting things go. Yeah. You know, cuz you you as the DM, you're putting so much work into so many things. Of course, you're going to come up with some something really cool and you want them to see that. But sure. I mean, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, you save it for another game another campaign altogether or honestly there have been times when at the end of a sesh i i've straight out told my players like if you had guys had done this you would have seen this just you know it's it's kind of hey you missed something really cool but it's kind of bragging rights as well for the dm like like i had this planned for you but you didn't get to see it you know yeah and honestly that's one thing where a an alert group might Next time they're in the the caverns, they might check both the left and the right instead of just one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's a a learning experience for everybody because that that should be a signal to your players as well. 
there is cool stuff around every corner. So yeah. don't don't just try to speed run through everything mm. because you are gonna you're gonna miss something. Just like a, a video game. Right. You could absolutely you could beat Mario Brothers in a minute and a half or whatever yeah. whatever those speed runs are. Bonkers, yeah. Or you or you could go through and you could check out the see where the the invisible one up blocks are mm. and all this other kind of goofy stuff that they put in there that when you find whether it's an easter egg or or however or just a hidden secret that's the kind of stuff that really makes it fulfilling i think because you you found the you followed the breadcrumbs that were left for you yeah there we've said this two dozen times at this point everybody has their own different play styles every dm has their own their own different dming styles and it's it's that that synergy and harmony of everyone around the table, including the DM, to to getting to a point where they understand how they how they collectively and cooperatively tell this story. And the onus is a little bit more on the shoulders of the DM, I think, yep. in in terms of having all of those options ready and knowing the strengths and weaknesses and the play styles of their 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 players. But if once you get really comfortable and and really know how your players are going to react to things and treat things, then you can start to manipulate and tweak your own DMing style to to set it up, set up those dominoes in the way that you want them to fall as opposed to just randomly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're it takes time. For sure. Exactly. Yeah. It takes, it takes time. It takes a, a certain comfort level, but it's, it's entirely possible. Yeah. And sometimes if you need to strong arm your players into a certain type of a scenario, just so they can experience it because they, they say they never try to RP and you, you force them into an RP just so they, so maybe one or two of them would finally realize, Hey, RP is a viable option and it's a heck of a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you have a kind of a seasoned group that you've been with for a while mm -hmm. and you, like you said, you know, their strengths and weaknesses, you can push them to something new that maybe they haven't done or, you know, talk with your players and see what, where they've come from in terms of their, their play styles. Have they come from a game that was very RP heavy and maybe they want to try it again? You can one of the best things is to lean on players like that to really help drive that section of the story along. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Play to their strengths and weaknesses and, and recognize that. And in players who are, who are good at RP generally thoroughly enjoy RP. So you can, you, you can look to them in those moments and hopefully that will, Hopefully your other players will, will learn by example, learn by seeing how it's done. And, and then, and then if you see someone trying to, to chime in on the, in the conversation, you know, maybe make the next RP encounter for lack of a better term, kind of based around them, let them, let them stretch their wings, you know, figure it out. Absolutely. And I think a big thing in that regard is the fact that if you have someone that is good in that area they they can tend to make things a lot smoother 
and really show the other players that maybe aren't as comfortable in a role-playing atmosphere that it's not it's not hard per se it's not uh, it's not something to be afraid of i guess is more like it yeah um I, i i've you know the the group that we play with i think we have a couple people that are a little afraid of an rp heavy encounter mm. but there are a couple a few seasoned players like you that we all look to in terms of helping to ease that burden and maybe can uh, it goose things along a little bit what cuz they if they know that you're at the table as well then they know that that they have someone to lean on where they don't have to do all the heavy lifting, but yeah. they can kind of get their feet wet. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really nice to see them. Even if I have to, like, warm them up, basically, it's really nice to see them kind of open up after a while. And I I've, I feel like the last couple of times I, I'll, I'll take a step back if I see someone starting to talk because I, I want them to, to experience that. And it's going to be really hard with my new character who's not charisma-based. It's going to be really hard not to just... RP straight through everything. Yeah, that's that makes it interesting, and I'm I also it's it's weird. We do fairly long sessions, mm-hmm. and you can see everyone start to warm up to RP, and it's yeah. usually like hour two or three where you know that they're ready to just jump in and maybe try something new mm-hmm. or or go down a, a road that they have haven't really done before where they have an idea and they just run with it yeah and i i think i think some of it has to do with with them recognizing that there are there are some conversations there are some rps that that my character it just wouldn't make sense for him to be doing you know yep so so they they they've seen it done and they can step in and fill those shoes where where they are most valuable and that's and that's that's credit to you as the DM because you are you are they are a specific puzzle piece and you are you are presenting us with that that shape that that, that they need to fill and they are recognizing that now. Yeah, I it's definitely something I don't think could have happened when we first started this, mm-hmm. you know, five or six sessions ago. Yeah. But it, it we are finally, I think, rounding into form, you know, 30 plus hours in where I I could throw just about anything I wanted to at the group, I think. And, and it would, you'd be able to muddle your way through it, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So uh, after that divergence, how many oogie boogies would you give the larva mage? I I really like the idea that we were able to come up with with the recurring character <laughs> almost. I love that idea so much. So I think that kind of gooses it up. And honestly, we didn't even touch on the fact that you you reasonably could craft an entire campaign around a character that winds up in this form. Yeah. You know, it could oh, it, yeah. uh, it's it could be almost a Sauron type character yeah you could you could spend the whole first half of the campaign as as this guy being a live wizard yeah yeah and how interesting would that be if they they he is the big bad and you Mm. kill the big bad Mm. and then the campaign goes on and you think okay well obviously we're going to keep playing 
the DM will just find somebody else to be the new big bad or something yeah. like that. But it's it's literally just the same guy, mm-hmm. but he's come back. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot there that we didn't even touch on that I would love to hear what everyone else thinks. And for that, I got to go with, you know, he's a solid eight Oogie Boogies. Again, mind blown. Mind blown. I wouldn't have guessed that high. Eight Oogie Boogies for the Larva Mage. I mean, I do I, I do like him a lot. I, don't, I wouldn't have gone eight, but I do like the idea a lot. But yeah, it based based on your scales of 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 overall campaign and story arc and stuff, like yeah, he's he's got a lot of fodder there, and and you're right, we 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 barely touched the the surface of that. Would you, if you were playing or DMing a an evil based campaign, would you allow the Larva Mage to be one of the PCs? Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, just go. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't imagine it would change your specs all that much. You would have like undead weaknesses and things, but other than that, yeah. I'd say you wouldn't, you, you couldn't be crit upon. But, yeah, but, kind of swarm characters. Yeah, yeah, and 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 just go with whatever specs of the, of the 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 race you were, but before nice. you died, you know that's, yeah. Just, just take into account the the extras. Oh, like right here, vulnerable ten radiant, vulnerable ten against close and area attacks, resistant ten necrotic takes half damage from melee and ranged attacks. I wouldn't give that to the players. That's really good. That is um, <laughs> immune to disease yeah. and poison, though. I'd give them that. Yep. So yeah, yeah. I, I without a doubt, yeah. Just a minor tweaking, but that is always the case with, with anything that hasn't been specced for playable characters. For um, straight out of the monster manual, there there will almost inevitably always be some tweaking. But there's there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, that's it for this week. Eight oogie boogies for the Larva Mage. Come on back next week for another random monster from a random monster manual. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.